if you can for me. Awesome. Well, I, I've said this before. I, I think, like, I've been here four years now, and I, I think it's the weirdest thing. When the doors open here, I, I'm always so intrigued by the people that God brings in here. Like, when I look outside, it's not just anybody. Has anybody seen it? I'm not saying that you see this. Maybe I haven't even seen it. But there's a movie called Breakfast Club. And it, well, it's funny because it reminds me of Breakfast Club. Because if, if you remember the movie, there's so many different kinds of people in that, in that movie. If you, if you remember, there's all these different, there's people who belong to this group, this group, this group. And it's amazing because over the past, I don't even know how long, four years, I've seen so many different people in here. But in the same way, like when I see people in here who do love God and they serve him, I watch all these different people go out and do amazing things. And so I don't know, I just believe that. I, I don't know, I don't want to waste my time here. I don't want you to waste your time here. Like my, my hope and my prayer for you is that when you go home, I mean, you don't even have to like me. The thing is like, I really just want you, or even whatever happens here, I really want you to fall in love with Jesus. That's truly what I want. And when you look at him and see how truly just magnificent he is, you'd actually go into the furthest parts of the world and change people's lives. And that's what I would love to see one day. But the truth is, that some of us, even though we're associated with Christianity, we still, in a weird way, don't know how to be Christian. That's a weird thing to say, isn't it? See, like, by you coming here and saying, well, I come here because I'm Christian, do you know that actually doesn't make you Christian? Like, if I go, my mom's a nurse, and she's here with her uh, chihuahua. And so when she, like, okay, she works at Lake Point Hospital, which is now Baylor Scott and Wyatt. So when I go there, if I went there and put on, like, a, a lab coat, and was like, what's up? I'm a doctor. Yeah, people are laughing. Well, here's the thing. I can't go in there and just say, well, because my mom's a nurse, I'm a doctor. It just doesn't work. So if you show up here and you say, I'm a Christian, just because you come here, that doesn't actually make you a Christian. So here's the thing. Jesus adopts anybody who looks to him. Some of you guys have been adopted, but you still live like orphans. And so tonight, I'm trying to, we're trying to break that thinking. We want that thinking to go away. But you get hung up on the easiest, most trivial things, uh, honestly, to to really get over and, and climb up over the top. So if you uh, go ahead and, and flip to this, this slide, our, our series slide. We've been going through the series. It's actually just two Wednesdays now, Messy Truth. And if you haven't been here for the last week or two, uh, you can go to our podcast and you could, uh, you could listen to everything that we've gone over. And usually in our D groups, this is what we go over. Because to be honest with you, I don't have all the answers. Like you actually have amazing answers. And when you, you and your D group, when you guys talk about things, you're actually fleshing out like all the things that God's teaching you, and you might have something that could change my life. I believe that. I don't think I'm better than anyone in here. But here's the thing. Sometimes we do. And if there's anybody who's ever been to private school, raise your hand if you've been to private school. Christian private school. Okay. The most trouble that I've ever gotten into in my whole life, my whole life, <laughs> not doing that. Okay. So my whole life was in, in uh, Christian private school. And it was the weirdest thing. It's like people sometimes will put their kids into a Christian private school to make sure they don't get in trouble. And if anybody knows me, anybody who's worked with me, they know that I am either all the way in something or I am all the way out. So when I'm living for myself, I live fully for myself or I live like fully for God. But when I was living for myself, I, one of the ways that I, I would live for myself is I would, I would honestly play like a lot of just like cruel pranks on people. 
And it wasn't mean. It was just terrible. And so, like, there was, does anybody know uh, what, what a, uh, have you heard of a, a squishy before? Does anyone know what that is? So a squishy is, is when you, I don't even want to tell you guys this. So a squishy is when, when you take a ketchup packet and you, and you twist it and then you, you fold it like this and you put it underneath the toilet seat. And so I have this teacher named Stephen Barshaw, Mr. Barshaw. And he would make jokes about me every time I'd go into class. And finally, like, I was, I was done with it. And he was really good friends with my dad, so he, he'd kind of make fun of me. And I'd, I'd kind of fire back, but then I was like, you know what? Laugh all you want. And so it, it's funny because if you know, like, how toilet seats work, <laughs> toilet seats, there's, like, those ridges underneath the toilet seat, right? And so the toilet seat stays level. Because if there's no lines under the toilet seat, then it goes like this. And you're leaning too far forward. So it's like, there's a science to it. And so what we do is we put the, we put the squishies under there. And so in the teacher's like, like room, whatever, their bathroom's in there. I went in there with my friend Kyle. And we, classic Kyle. And so we put the things in there. And we just like waited for a whole class period. We skipped our class. Keep in mind, this is when I wasn't walking with God. I'm a Christian now. I don't do that stuff. And so... He, he walks in there, he opens the door, and he's like doing his thing, walks in, and then like we wait for a few minutes, and we hear this, oh my gosh, <laughs> and he runs out, and if you don't know what happens, when you sit down on that, the ketchup packs explode on the back of your legs, so he pulled his face up, and it basically looked like somebody shot him with BB guns, <laughs> and he was running out screaming, because honestly, I don't know if he knew what really happened, and so there's things that we would do, I mean, there was a guy named, I had a teacher named Mr. Nandor. Who, yeah, <laughs> it's like, okay, so he would do this thing where he would, he would kind of, I don't, I don't know, he, he was just, he was a teacher. And so, yeah, <laughs> and, so, and so what we would do a lot of times, like in his class, we'd get in trouble and one of us would go outside and he would talk to us and then one of us would stay in the class. And so we would, we would the, we'd take the clock off and we'd turn the, the hand like all the way to basically it was like 20 minutes off like ahead of time. And so he'd be teaching for like 30 minutes in a class. He'd be like, oh my gosh, we're going to get you guys out of here. It's weird. I haven't heard the bell. Did you guys hear the bell? And we're like, and so he goes, you guys are dismissed. <laughs> and so there'd be people just walking around the campus and then the bell would go off and they wouldn't know where to go. <laughs> and like, so you'd change all the times and people would be like, oh, and they'd be so confused as they're walking around. I don't know. I just really enjoyed that. And so it's the Jim Halpert in me. I can't help it. So <laughs> And I was like, that's really who I am at the end of the day. I just can't help it. But it's weird because it's like when I, when I, like, when I spend time with God, it's so cool because, like, there's things that I know he's, he has humor. Like, it's just like I look at my, I had a pug. And whenever I look at that, I just think, why, God? <laughs> like, and I know in his mind, like, he sees his own face and goes, why, God? <laughs> And it's just funny. I know that God is funny. I know that he has that. But the thing is, he doesn't, like, play tricks on you. He doesn't play tricks on me. So, like, when he gives me the Bible, it's not to, like, make me feel bad about myself. Like, he, he gives me the Bible so I, I can actually give up my religion, and then I can actually get a Savior. So I can give up my fear, and I can receive love. And some of you guys, you just come in here, and you don't even know that you're, you don't even know how loved you really are. And that's the thing is, like, I, I want you to know that. But I don't want to have some weird way of describing it or 
reading those things, I don't want it to be a trick, and I don't want it to be like some weird thing. You know, when you go to camps and, and things like that, there's like, it could be a camp, a summer camp, but just be like, okay, the theme is overdrive, where Jesus Christ is overdrive on you. What, and I would say, what is that? What is, is he okay? <laughs> like, what does that mean? And I would hear things like that as a kid. Well, God will build a home in your heart, and then he'll be in there. Well, there's a home in my heart. I was like, what is that? Why is he in there? Why is he in the house in my heart? I just didn't know that. I go, does the Bible say that, or do you say that? Because if you say it, I don't want to believe that. But if the Bible says it, I actually want to believe that, because I'm staking forever on this. And so with that being said, 1 Corinthians what it should make you feel is this, or what it should make you know, is that Christians are messy people. And God knows that. And we need to get used to it. People are going to make mistakes. But God teaches us how to recover the fumble. We don't have to live in a mistake. You don't have to live in a mistake. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. It's a pretty short chapter, so we'll We'll actually blast through this, but I'm going to go ahead and, and pray because I can't do this without the Lord. I don't even want to be up here without the Lord. Uh, so when we get there, so if you're in a blue Bible, this is actually going to be uh, 686, chapter 2, verse 1. Okay. 686. Let me, let me pray. Jesus, you are God. There's no other way to dress that up. Some people refer to you as God because they think that's a title for you, but really, honestly, when they say that, they're not saying that you are their God. Jesus, you are my God, and I submit myself to what you say because what you say is true. No matter how I feel, it's just I know that your way is better, even if it doesn't make sense to me. Please give us eyes to see and ears to hear, God. As with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, pray that the Holy Spirit would show you his truth. And with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, pray that the Holy Spirit would speak through me. <sighs> Jesus, forgive my pride as I speak. God, please let these be your words and not mine. Pray for us as a family that we grow closer together and there would be no judgment here, but acceptance fully. We love you so much, King Jesus, in your name, amen. Okay, so what we're reading, guys, somebody's asked me, is like, they, they're asking me, like, they've been so used to Bible stories, they don't know what this is called when there's not story, but there's just truth. This is called doctrine. But this is, this is what it means. Like, you're getting, you're getting an idea of what you actually believe in. So when we're reading this, this is doctrine, okay? So this is Paul. He's talking to people in Corinth. He says this, When I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I didn't use lofty words or impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. 
No overdrive, okay? No theme words. I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling, and my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever, persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so that you would not trust in human wisdom, but in the power of God. Okay, go to the first point. I'm always going to have two to three points for you guys. Please, please write them down. Because what, what my goal is in here, your D group leaders, I trust them and I love them. Um, they teach me things about God and myself. Uh, but the reason why I have you write these things down is because I want to give you foundation to stand on. But I want that to be scripture first. So the gospel didn't originate in man, but in God, and is expressed by the Spirit. Okay, it's a doctrine. So these aren't ideas that are like, hey, feel good about you. This is, hey, I want you to be able to be confident. Like when an atheist is in your face and saying like this, this, and this, and, and you don't have anything to stand on, here's what you stand on. This is just the way God has laid everything out. The gospel, gospel means good news. So the good news didn't originate in man, but in God. So here's the thing. People will come in, and I hear this a lot of times when people, like with speakers, like with me, like there's, I could do like a motivational thing, and I could say, don't waste your life and live in an overdriven way. Overdrive. And I could do that, and it would feel good. But honestly, there's messages in here where you don't feel good, but those are the best ones. And the reason for that is that means you can grow. See, I, I, it's not my time up here, it's God's time. And the reason why, if, you guys, if you've been with me long enough for the last three or four years, people have asked me the whole time why, at the end of the prayer, I always say with your heads by and your eyes closed, I've never even explained this to you guys why I do this. This is the reason why. Because I can't operate without the Holy Spirit. This is what this passage is saying. So a lot of the times what we think of is, is the Holy Spirit is almost kind of like this, this like redheaded stepchild is loosely affiliated with Jesus. But that's actually the, the opposite. So the, the main idea would be this. I'm hitting you with two solid points off the top, and then we're going to kind of break things down. But if we can go to that second point, um, team, fam, back there, if we could get to that second point. <sighs> While we're getting there, I could even, okay. God's plan was salvation executed by Jesus and revealed by the Spirit. Okay, so there's a lot of things that we do. We don't understand why we do them. Like if I said, you know, we made this joke. I don't know. I say we. I made this joke. I don't even know. It's still, people still walk around the church saying this. But I, I said, when Moses, like, walked through walls of water, got to the other side, was freed from the strongest superpower in the world at that time, people didn't show up on the beach and were like, Chris Tomlin. <laughs> I hate that. But like, it's funny because we, no one showed up on the beach and went like this. Hey, we need to have one hour here where we get people up out of their bed and they hate it and they spend one hour here and they think it's terrible and then we'll come back next week for an hour. And then for a whole month, we'll spend four hours about the most eternal part of our being. Chris Tomlin. <laughs> I hate that. I don't know why I can't, okay. So here's the thing. What happens is the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, he opens our eyes to things that are unseen. Like I can't discover God on my own. In the word that's in your hands right now, you wouldn't even know how the world was created unless you had that. 
In fact, if that never showed up, do you know you would just be sitting here not understanding why you're here? Like that gives you a reason for why you're here. So here's the thing. What the Holy Spirit does is he reveals things to us and he lets us see things as they really are and not how we feel like they might be. So a lot of times when I'm trying to understand the Holy Spirit and how he interacts with me as a broken person, people have had a million things. In describing how God is three people basically in one person. And so one of the most basic things that people have, have kind of conjured up is an, is an egg. And they'll go get an egg and they'll say, okay, well, there's a shell. And I'm like, yeah. And then there's the white part. And then I hate this when they say the yolk. I say, as soon as they say yolk, I say, get out. Go home. To the same person who says milk, go home. It's milk. It's caramel, not caramel. Okay? Settled. We're done. Chris Tomlin. Okay. So here's the thing. It's weird because all those components are one thing. If I said, hey, well, here's an egg, you would know that it consists of all those things. But here's the thing. It's sitting in your hand, right? So you have all three components in one spot. See, here's the thing. If we go back to that point, God's plan all along was to save people who are broken. He knows that we're broken, and he loves us. So what he did is he sent his son Jesus, the thing that meant most to him, and then he crushed his Jesus, and even when we still couldn't see it, he puts the Holy Spirit in this earth, in this planet, then to fill our bodies so that we can actually acknowledge it. And we'll see as, as this is spelled out, this is, you'll see it, and it's an amazing thing. But if I'm being completely truthful with you guys, it was, I read this book about a shepherd who is, is pretty rad. So he, he would shepherd actual sheep. And it's funny because unlike humans, sheep actually have four stomachs. That's so funny to me. There's four, not like another one. There's four in there. Like when I found out penguins had knees. <laughs> the knees are... The knees are inside their bodies. <laughs> I had no idea. And then I saw an x-ray of a, ping, uh, a penguin, and I was like, there's knees in there. There's knees. I was like, there's knees in there. It's like, people had the world had to know. It's a weird thing, though. I'm being so serious. Is there's this weird thing. Is what, like when it comes to, to, to sheep and a shepherd, it's funny because sheep are, are actually considered one of the dumbest mammals to have lived. And it's funny that the scripture uses that because it's the nicest way of saying, hey, bro. You need help. <laughs> like, mm -mm. Yeah. And there was this weird thing, though, because he would say this. He would say, I, I, he said, I, I've shepherded thousands and thousands of sheep. And he goes, one of the most, one of the most like, confusing things to him is he goes, I'd have sheep that would die of thirst actually standing only feet away from water. And so there would be sheep that would actually die standing a, a foot away from water of thirst. And he, he would be like, why, why can't you just, it's water's right there. Like, what? But you can't make the sheep drink it. You just can't. And it's the same thing that goes for you. There's a key that unlocks all these doors and that key is humility. There's people here who have an assumption that they know everything. Like if I went over David and Goliath with you, the first thing that would come in your mind is this. I've already heard that. But the truth is, is you could read one verse for your whole life every day, and I guarantee you in 50 years, you would only come to realize that you don't understand that verse. That's how powerful even one verse in the Bible is. 
and I know that. So if we keep tracking, humility will always allow us to come to a place where we can understand things. Go to verse 6. It says this, yet I am among, or yet when I'm among mature believers, I do speak with words of wisdom, but not the kind of wisdom that belongs to this world or to the rulers of this world who are soon forgotten. No, the wisdom we speak of is the mystery of God, his plan that was previously hidden, even though he made it for our, our, for our ultimate glory before the world began. But the rulers of this world have not understood it. If they had, they would not have crucified our glorious Lord. That is what the scriptures mean when they say, listen, dudes, this is for you. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Okay, have you ever been in a moment that's awe-inspiring? Like, what I, what I mean by that is, have you seen something where you realize how truly small you are? Like, has there been a moment where you walked up to something and you're like, oh, yeah. And if there's a camera to look at, you go, that's what Jim does. <laughs> yeah. So there's that there's a moment, right, where you sink into your, just your soul, and one of those things was, for me, when it, when it comes to The Office, I love that show too much. And so I, I've, a long time ago, I told this story, but it, there was a, a I, I was going to live, in, I was living in Detroit, Michigan, I lived there for a long time, and I knew that I was going to move home in a week, so I had just got this Jeep, I had a Jeep Wrangler, I didn't, he was like breaking, but I didn't care, I, I put my shoes on, got up, strapped shoes on my feet, and I, and I drove through Canada, so I got my passport I drove through Canada into New York to see uh, Niagara Falls. And I wanted to see where Jim and Pam got married. So they got married on a boat, if you guys remember the, the episode. And so th that boat is called Made of the Mist. And so I was driving into New York State, the Empire State, <clears throat> and, and I got in, there was a cop there. He's like, he's like, what are you here for? Why do you have a driver's license from Texas and you're coming through Canada? He's like, do you have drugs in the car? I'm like, no, no, I don't. But I was so scared, I didn't know what to say. He's like, what are you here for? I was like, a wedding. He's like, really? Who's, who do you know who's getting married? I was like, Jim and Pam. I said that. <laughs> he goes, sweet, we'll enjoy the wedding. I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> and I went through, and, and then I was on the wrong side because you have to be on the Canadian side to get on Made of the Mist. So I went back through the border <laughs> and went back into Canada, and I drove my, my Jeep into this lot in parts, of the, and the, thing, the ferry was closing. And so I was running to this thing, and I like, and I like got to the thing, made in this, and I was like, oh. So I ran like through all these people. And I'm not gonna lie, I'm not proud of this, but I'm a sinner saved by grace, so judge me. But I definitely cut probably like 50 people, <laughs> and I wasn't gonna be there, so I just did it. And I, and and I, all these people went in at one time. And I was like, that's kind of weird. Maybe it was like a last call kind of thing. And so I get on this elevator. They they give you a poncho because what happens is multiple waterfalls, and when the when the waterfalls hit, it's so loud. And you, it just water covers you. So I get, well, here's this. Keep your hands and arms on the boat, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, okay. So I get in the, get in the boat, and I, I'm with all these people, and they, they bring the people in, and, and I run to the front of the boat just so I could do the Titanic thing. But I get there, and I, and I just feel weird. You know, like when you're driving in the car, and you, you're not, like, looking at me, but you feel somebody looking at you in the other car, and you look over, and they go, do you know what I'm talking about? I had that feeling the whole time, and I was like, ah, it's super weird. And I turned around, and ev everyone behind me was at least the age of infinity. I'm not kidding. 
as, as long as there is time, that was how, that's how old those people were. And so there, I looked behind me, and there's a million old people. And I, what I had realized very, very uh, shortly after was that it was a senior citizen's retirement vacation trip. So it was all of them and me. And so it was a boat full of them and then me at the front. And so basically what had happened is I met these two people who were from Riverside, California, the city I was born in. And so they also had a son named, well, a son named Sam was my brother's name. And I was like, wow, so cool. And they're like, from California. I was like, from California? Oh, we should be friends. You're going to probably die soon. So I was like, and so, shh, you're, it's okay. They knew God. It's fine. And so it's a graduation. So what had happened was like, what? I don't believe that dying is a bad thing. So this is the thing. It's like, I was there, and it turned out, I was like, I just, we got to the Niagara, like Niagara Falls, and the, there's like, they call it like the horseshoes, like where, they, where the, the boat comes in, and it just turns aside, and on every, on every side of you, there's water that's just like, it's like a freight train. Like, it, it, it's so loud, you can't hear yourself think. It's just powerful. And then you look around to basically everywhere just behind, but behind you, and there's a waterfall on every side. It's, a, it's mesmerizing. Like, truly mesmerizing. And, and so what had, what had happened is I just looked at him. I said, you know, I guarantee you, this is what the people of, of Israel saw. When they literally walked on dry ground, as walls of water surrounded them. It was probably the closest that I'll ever get to seeing something like that. And the weirdest thing is that was the same thing running through their minds. And they said that. And they were, they were all, I mean, we were Christians. I love being a Christian. And it was just so, it was such an amazing moment. Because it put fear in us, but not the kind that makes you scared, but a fear that makes you realize that's what the Holy Spirit does. When you talk about, when you talk about God having something pre- prepared for you that you can't even imagine, think about like Tolkien, right? I love Tolkien. I love Lord of the Rings. I love reading all that. Millions and millions. Okay, all that existed in that guy's mind. And I'm sitting there going, like he was in his back pocket and he wrote all of that, right? C.S. Lewis wrote all of Narnia. Then he was just in his mind. Think about that. Don Treader, that's in his mind. And it's like crazy because even with all the things that he can imagine, like the thing is like Aristotle says that your mind is a universe. He's a philosopher. The thing is like at the height of your imagination, it doesn't even come close to what God has for you but not just for you, but for the people who love him. So the plan of God is this. If we could go back to that point, the gospel didn't originate in man, but in God as expressed by the Spirit. So his plan was salvation, and that, that plan of salvation was lived out by Jesus, and then we can actually recognize it and see it because the Holy Spirit actually shows us. He illuminates everything around us. This is doctrine. So, if you guys go to verse 10, and we're going to read this and, and, and look at closing here in a second. It says this, But it was to us that God revealed these things by his Spirit, for his Spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own Spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own Spirit. And we have received God's Spirit, not the world's Spirit, so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. 
Yes, I, I, I'd explain it like this in the most immature terms possible. I had this uh, teacher named Miss Hill. This thing with teachers and I. Whew, didn't work. And she would do this thing where she would, like, we would fight, and I'd start it. I'll just be honest with saying that. So what she would do is she would, she would come at me, bro, and then what I would do is I'd start copying her because how do you win any argument? And hold your breath. That's how I've gotten everything in my life. And so I would do this thing, and then, and then what she would do is I actually, on one of the occasions, I got her to actually start copying me. So she started copying me, and it was a full-grown woman and then a third grader copying each other. And then finally, I gave up, but I didn't give up. Inside my shoe, I wiggled my toe. And she goes, got you. And I go, mm-mm, I won. You can't see my toe inside my shoe. I'm winning. And so since then, I went and told my parents that, like it was some achievement, and they spit their food out and laughed at me. I'm like, no, that was a big deal. I was like, I, I'm, I'm a man. I, I won. And it's like, no, you didn't win. That's not, that's not a victory. And it was this weird moment in time where now from that moment on, my parents would say, Isaac, you're wiggling your toe. And even at 25, my parents will ask me, Isaac, are you wiggling your toe? Like when I go into a museum and it says, don't touch the painting, I'm like, oh, why did it have to say that? I'm like, why did it have to say that? I, I wasn't going to touch it, but it said that. I have to do, they're like, Isaac, no. And I'm like, oh, and people have to get me out of there. It's, I don't want to do it. I just, I have to because it says don't. I don't know why. It's just in me. I can't, I can't get up. It, maybe it's a youth pastor thing. I just can't stop it. And so I, I don't know what to do with that. But here's what, here's what the Spirit of God reveals to me is this. Even though I have a desire, the desire makes sense to me. I know that. But when I know God's desires contradict, and I think, God, why would you give me this desire and make me this way to want that and then tell me I can't have it? You cannot project that on God. In fact, God knows things so well that if you do this, God, I know what you want. I don't think that's the best for me, but I'm going to go ahead and trust that because I know how good you are. We all, we all, all, all challenge the things that we're taught. That's just what we do. I don't know why. But if we, <clears throat> if we go to verse 13, it says this. When we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. That's why every single time for four years, I ask you guys to pray for me. When I speak here, that's exactly why I ask you to do that for me because I cannot do that on my own. If I did this on my own, I would not be your youth pastor and I, I should probably go. So if we're, if we're continuing, we should, we should say, the people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's spirit. It all sounds foolish to them and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the spirit means. Those who are not or those who are spiritual can evaluate all things, but they themselves cannot be evaluated by others. Listen, for who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? But we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. My last idea is this. These are all wordy things, but this is a foundation for us to build on. So this is this. Our intellectual abilities and accomplishments don't lead us to truth. The Spirit does. Okay. 
So University of Michigan, this is pretty crazy. It, uh, it's around 2013, 2014. It's like, there's a difference between, I'm not going to talk about politics. It's not my thing here. But there's a difference between people who are liberal and then they're leftists. Those are two different things. And so what would happen is when there's all these riots about being micro-offended and all these things, and all this, uh, University of Michigan, there used to be Bible verses on the top of every building, which is just so you know, as far as medical schools go, it's one of the most prestigious schools in our whole country. So what would happen is when you'd walk on, the, on school in the Diag and you'd see University of Michigan, renowned school, there'd be Bible verses at the top. And then when everybody started getting offended about everything, you know what they did? They filled in with concrete. They filled in all the, the spaces and they covered up all the verses so that people wouldn't get offended. Here's the thing. What we go over in scripture here, I cannot sacrifice truth so that someone else will feel better. The truth hurts people, but we cannot sacrifice truth because it makes people feel uncomfortable. Here's what the Spirit of God does for you. In the moment that you feel uncomfortable, he's giving you an opportunity for growth. So here's what you do when you feel uncomfortable. You say, God, I feel uncomfortable. I do not like this. And here's what you do from there. Please help me change my heart. And you stop trying to change your heart because you do not do a good job at it. So if I'm if I, University of Michigan, if I have a doctorate, if I have a degree, Neil deGrasse Tyson, I, I, I watch, I listen to him. He's an amazing astrophysicist. I, I read about space, time, and relativity, and I love those things. And so he's, he's talking about this. He said, I, the universe doesn't tell me that there's a God, so I don't believe in one. And I go, the un- I thought about that. He said, the universe, I can't see God in the universe, so I don't believe in him. One of the smartest guys ever. And I thought to myself, one of the best scientists in the world says just because he can't see something means that it doesn't make sense to him. But I don't even know right now, I've been feeling this entire time, Every time this, this fan passes me and I feel the wind passing me, I cannot see it, but I know that it's there. And the same way with the truth of Scripture, though I cannot see it, I mean, I do see it. Though I may not be able to see it in a moment, I always see it. And God shows me not because I have the ability or I have my accomplishments or my intellectual talent. He gives me the Spirit of God. And so any wisdom that I have at all is because he's lending it to me. And the only reason why God has me up here is because truly how weak I am. I'm not strong. That's the difference. You don't have to be strong and you don't have to fix yourself. You just be humble and you accept that God can change you. And then he will. Accept it. Some of you guys, you have all your hopes pinned into a relationship. So if the person in your relationship doesn't affirm you, what happens is you go like this, oh my gosh, my boyfriend, my girlfriend doesn't affirm me. And you get really scared. And all your hopes are pinned in that. And then if it's something like if you sit at one table, every, A lunch, whatever rolls around, and you have that same table, and you're worried about, or B lunch, C lunch, I don't care what it is, and then you get there and, and there's not a spot for you, or your friends are this, or maybe you're an athlete, and then somebody passes you. Or if there's somebody who runs faster than you, what do you do when all your things are taken away from you? What do you have? So the challenge to you tonight would be this. What are you actually sinking your teeth into? 
if it's something that you can actually, it's a tangible accomplishment or if it's an ability, I'm going to be honest with you. You're not going to be able to do everything your whole life. There's going to be days where you don't have that ability anymore. That's not a bad thing. I'm just trying to get you in a place of reality, okay? So here's the thing. I read this study, UCLA, uh, so yeah, a study conducted a sociology report done out of UCLA. And it was just a, a really crazy thing is that we are actually one of the first countries and nations and in, in, uh, group of people that monolithically think, one mind think, that we don't expect to die. Meaning before, like before us throughout all time and even in other countries, it's just that that's what you do. And for us, that's something that we don't expect. We're the first country to not expect that. And it blows my mind. And so here's the thing. There's going to be a day where, like, honestly, what you have is the Lord or you have something else. And that to you, before you leave, how, however you leave tonight is entirely up to you. When you walk out those doors, it could be I have a loving father and he's everything that I need, Psalm 23, 1. That could be it. Or you could go out here and say, well, I have God. I have my boyfriend. I have my girlfriend. I have my looks. I have this, this, or this. Sama cuts it. I heard a song today, and I'll close with saying this. I had I heard the song today. Today was actually a really hard day for me personally. It was uh, I worked at the Starbucks throughout basically all high school, and there's a woman there named TJ, and she would Starbucks. There's honestly not a lot of Christians that work at Starbucks. There's a few, but the, this this lady was a Christian, and I, I went through some hard times in my life. Her name is TJ, and I found out this morning that she died last night. When I got up, though, I had two options of how to feel about it. I could put my faith in the death aspect that she went through, or in this very second, I know that TJ is literally looking at the hands that created her soul, and that she is more complete than she's ever been. But I heard this song about about how it was a guy just singing about God, and it wasn't like a worship song, but he's singing from the aspect of God. I usually don't like those kinds of songs. But he's saying, one of the lines of the song is, even if you didn't love me, I'd still love you. And it makes me think of, of my dad here on, on this earth. And the way that my dad has loved me here, I know is a totally unique thing. I've been a youth pastor for six years. And I've seen a lot of parents who don't love their kids. And so here's the... <laughs> there's, a lot of, there's a lot of people who, who actually don't love their kids well. And so for me, I got really lucky. I have a dad who loved me so, so well. And so here's this thing, and, I, and I've told this story before. It's so, so crazy, but I had ran away from home. I had been running away from home throughout all high school. I'd go sleep in parks, and I'd do things like that. Really rough time. And so one of those times, like when I'd, I'd come home, and I'd, I'd run away from home, I had this dog named Sarah that I had like my whole childhood, even probably up to the point of where I was in, in Bible school. I named her Sarah after this girl I thought was cute in my class in kindergarten. And I told her, I go, I named you after my dog, and she cried. And I was like, that's a good thing. I didn't know I hurt her feelings. And so I had this dog forever. And, and then uh, <clears throat> Sarah, she would run away. And, and so one time I, I got a hold of Sarah, and I was so hurt that she would run away. Like, and it wasn't like I was going to like hit her. It was like, you know how when you, it was like, you know how like, it's, it's like love tap. And so, like, I was, I was getting ready to do that, kind of like the, just like, wow, like, kind of like on her snout or something like that, and it was discipline, right? 
And so when I, when I was lifting my hand up to do that, my dad goes, he goes, hey! He goes, no! And I was like, oh my gosh, and he, he, he scared me. And he goes, he goes, we don't hit things when, when they run away. What we do when things run away is we bring them in and we show them love. And I didn't think about that concept. What made sense to me is that if you abandon me, if you leave me, then I'll be angry at you. And here's the thing about my dad. My dad didn't, there, there's a lot of things that, that's weird about being a pastor's kid. You don't even know that. And there's people who don't know how hard, like, my childhood has been with having a pastor's kid. But I don't talk about it. And here's the thing. My dad, he did the best job he possibly could. He didn't bring all the drama from church home, and I didn't have that. And when I'd run away from him, he never raised his hand in a threat to me. And some of you guys, you come in here and you have the worst attitude towards God. And he's literally sitting there going, what are you doing? I just love you. And you're making it about the weirdest thing. And it's crazy because God's sitting here. When you're walking out that door, he's just like, just run to me. He's like, my arms are open to you. This isn't some sort of overdriven thing. Welcome to overdrive. Don't come at me that. I don't want that. I, just plain and simple. I, I place my faith in Jesus and his grace, so I go to heaven only because of that. If I don't accept that, I will go to hell. That's it. That, that, that's the only thing that can happen. And so I don't, I don't do, there's not a bunch of stuff. There's no rituals. There's nothing. It's just that, that Jesus came into this world to die for sinners. Even though we wouldn't love him first, he did it anyway. And then here's what happened. On the third day, he rose again. And when he walked out of the tomb, here's what happened. He didn't walk out, like he didn't crawl out like he barely made it. I know my Jesus. I know my shepherd's voice. And so when he walked out of the tomb, it was like this. Death had no power over him. And he showed us that. And the thing is, I saw that in the way my dad on earth loves me. And when TJ died and I found out, I had two ways of thinking. I had two options for thinking. If you guys don't know my past, I, I have horrible, horrible, horrible anxiety. So bad. I can't, when I'm sitting in a restaurant, I can't, my back has to be against the wall. I have t horrible, horrible anxiety problems. They're so, so bad. And I've had them for years. And one of the ways that it manifests itself is hypochondria. I wake up most days thinking that I'm dying. And I was sitting on my bathroom floor. That's where I write most of these messages. I, I, I don't know why. It's just what I do. And so I'd sing down. I'm writing them. And, I, and even before Fuse tonight, I just sat there and I wept. Because for six years, I keep believing that I'm dying every day. But here's the thing. Jesus did not die on the cross so that I would place my faith in death. He died on the cross so that I would place my faith in new life in him. And so I'd sit there, and I, it was just this realization. I'd go, God, I've wasted six years on believing in death. i go, what am I doing? i, I go, death, and i said it out loud. i go, I'm not going to believe in you. I'm going to believe in life because God didn't rise again so that I could sit at home and think about dying every day. He rose from the dead so that he could show me what life really is and what it means. And so when I place my faith in that, what God does is he shows me through the Spirit, you have a life worth living.
Maybe you have thoughts that are so evil. You have thoughts maybe about hurting yourself. Here's the thing. God didn't die on the cross so that you can obey those thoughts. And I'm telling you, you don't have to obey him. We're going to worship here in two minutes. And when we do, what I want you to do is, is sing to a God of miracles. And I want you to confront all the untruths that are stacked up against you. And just say it. There is an amount of untruths that can separate me from you. And when we all do that as a family, we begin to measure the best of our effort. I believe in what God is doing here, and you should too. I believe that tonight, you can leave this room a brand new person. You are not a slave to sin. Your champion is alive. Every word he says is true. Let's pray to a God of miracles. God, thank you for the truth of your word. God, that you have a plan and your plan was carried out. God, I pray for my little brother, my little sister in this room. I pray that in this moment, as I'm praying right now, they'd place their faith in you. God, we don't do raise your hand if you just did that in your heart because it's not our business or it's between you and that person. And so, Hughes, I say to you while you are praying in this moment, if you have not placed your faith in Jesus Christ, I call you right now and I'll place your faith in him. And in this moment, he calls you to love him because he's loved you so much Long before there was time, he loved you. Reach out to him in this moment. Jesus, thank you that you tear down every wall. You don't set up barriers between messy people and yourself, but God, you, you go to parties where people are drunk and they're doing terrible things and, and Jesus we see you in tax collectors homes and we see you with demon possessed people you, you didn't just come to church for an hour a week God I pray that we wouldn't live in that sin God that is sinful that we just show up for one hour to admire you God I pray that everybody in this room would admire you every hour every minute of each day because you are so worthy God you are worthy of all praise, every all honor goes to you, Jesus. You defeated death. God, thank you for saving TJ. God, thank you that she's sitting in front of you right now. Jesus, for the person in here right now who thinks that they can't be saved because they don't have faith, I pray that you'd show them in their heart. It's not a matter of how much, but God, I pray that there's a person here who's struggling right now with this, that they would just say to you, God, I don't believe, but I want to. Here's a, here's a, a drop of faith. Save me in my 